Uh, it's really funny sometimes the things that you guys don't see behind stage. Let me just tell you. It's always enjoyable. You know, it gets really dark back there. <laughs> sometimes you can't see where you're going. So I'm really excited today, like I said, that I get a chance to speak to you about this message. Um, I really am encouraged so much that there are so many people here today because I think it's a really valuable message. And you know, a lot of times we have really great intentions to go back and listen to a message. But we know the world what I'm going to talk about can be a crazy place, and sometimes we don't go do those things. So um, I had the craziest morning. We talk about the high highs, the low lows. Man, I've got a story to tell you. So my husband comes up to my bedroom when we're getting ready, and I, I said to him, uh, he says, hey, get your boots, because, you know, there's a lot of snow out there. So if you're going to walk to the shop and get your, you know, your car out, you know, you're going to have to have him. I said, okay. But in my mind, I was thinking... Or you could just get me my car. But I didn't say it. I thought it. Didn't say it. <clears throat> but anyway, went about it my morning, got ready, and it was doing so well with time. I was like, this day's going great. And all of a sudden, I put the dogs inside, get ready, and go out. And I'm like, oh, no. I have no keys to get into my, our shop, our business. My keys are left in my car inside the shop. So I was like, now what do I do? Well, it was a miracle of God. You know, Cameron never doesn't come to church. Well, today he decided he's going to stay home with Silas and let him recover because he's been sick. And Amy had her group time that she had to talk about. So he's like, I'll stay home. Well, thankfully, Cameron was there at home. But unfortunately, Cameron was only there with Silas. So I had to decide to walk to Cameron's house because I said, he says, well, I could come. I said, no, don't bring Silas out. I'll, I'll get there somehow. So I had to walk about four or five blocks to Cameron. But you know, the thing is in Troy Grove, there was no plows at all. So it was like four inches deep. So I had to walk to his house. And then I was like, well, how is the, the truck, his little truck in it, his S10 going to get through this snow? So I had to make this whole back <clears throat> truck around to try to get on 52 to be able to come in, get my into the shop, open the key, open the door, get in my car, drive out, go back, put the dogs back where they need to get my other boots, go back. Needless to say, I miss prayer time. So if I fail today, it's all about that. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I had somebody pray for me, and it was good, And uh, but I actually didn't get here till really, really late. I usually, we have prayer time where everybody gets together about 9.15 and prays for the service, prays for the person who's speaking that day. And I had to tell somebody, I said, <clears throat> either stand in proxy for me or just pray for me because I'm not there. I didn't walk in until like 9.30, 9.35. So it was a pretty crazy morning. I would say one of those days where it was, man, it was like this morning was a high, high. And then all of a sudden it was low, low. As I'm walking to Cameron's, I noticed this big, giant German shepherd. And it was like one of those moments where you're like, God, please protect me. Please protect me. I'm praying that this isn't my demise right now, that some giant dog's going to come get me the one day I have to walk in four inches of snow. So it would be a bad going down moment. So anyway, we all have those days though, right? I'm not the only one. You have those days where it looks like everything's going to go well, and then sometimes things all apart, fall apart really fast. So life is filled with those things. Ups and downs, back and forth. It's just what takes place in our life. Sometimes we just have that same old, same old in our lives, you know, where it's just another day. It's just a day like any other day. Well, whoever you are, regardless of your income, your race, your social status, anything like that, we're all going to have those experiences. None of us are exempt from them. We're all going to have those days that are great and some days that are bad. And, you know, a lot of us would love to have those days that are always great. 
Those days that we're really on top of the mountain, you know, that we're like, man, it is great. But we can't all have those days forever. We can't live on the mountaintops forever. But you know, the thing is, our days sometimes that are bad, some things that we go through that's bad, thankfully, God doesn't always make us live in the valleys either. And he's really good like that. And I know there's some of you doom and gloomers out there right now. You know what you're saying? Oh, no, Deb. I live in the valley. I'm a valley person, man. I am a valley girl, you know. And you're like, no, you're not. Because, you know, we all know it can always get worse, right? You think you live in the valley. Sometimes you realize there's a lot more beneath you yet that you can go. But the wonderful thing about God is that he tells us that he's going to be with us wherever we go. Whether or not we are on the mountains or we're in the valleys or it's just in between, he's going to be with us wherever it is that we go. Joshua 1.9 says, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. That should give us such comfort to know that, you know what, he's there in those high points, but he's there right beside us in those low points. And sometimes when we just feel nothing, He's still with us. So life is this continual journey. Like I said, you're going to go back and forth, up and down. And you're going to experience sometimes those things that everything is just all right with the world. Things are great. You know what you're going to, you know, like the spouse and you are getting along. The kids are behaving. Money's coming in. The bills are getting paid. You know, everywhere you go, there's just an open parking spot for you. And you are walking in the fog, the favor of God, right? Other times, we know that we have these experiences where it literally is, you know what, the wife, the kids, no one's getting along, it's a mess, you can't make the bills, you know, your car breaks down, you lose your job, the dog runs away, and your life becomes a country song, like that. And the truth is, all that stuff is going to be normal, You're not alone. And I think sometimes we look at people and we think, oh, no, no, my life is much worse than theirs. And it really is all about perspective. You know, sometimes where we live and we feel we're in the valley, someone else would look at our lives and say they're on the mountain. It's all about perspective. So we have to understand that normal is these experiences. So how do we make it through all these ups and downs? How are we going to do it? How are we going to succeed and survive? How do we not lose our forebearings and our ground? How are we going to keep going? How do we successfully navigate following after Jesus? You know, our faith is no different. Our, our life's going to have those moments, but our faith's going to have those moments. We're going to have those experiences. We really, truly feel God in a real way. And other times, we're going to feel like, God's not with me. I'm in a valley. And there's sometimes it's going to be like, you know what? Nothingness. I hear nothing. I feel nothing. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about this message series. When I, we talked about it, I said, I really would like to talk about the fact that every one of us who journey in our faith are going to have these experiences where we really feel God sometimes. Sometimes we just have to rely on God sometimes. And sometimes we just have to trust in God sometimes, that he's there with us. Because it's not always consistent. It's not like you feel God once and it just keeps us going forever and ever. It doesn't work that way. A lot of us right now, when I tell you I'm going to talk about the mountains, you're like, don't talk about the mountains. Just talk about the valleys. I've had way more experience in the valleys than I ever had those mountaintop experiences with God. 
And for that, I hope you learn something from this message series on that because I'm actually hoping if you listen to this, you'll get more mountaintop experiences because I think God wants to give us more of those mountaintop experiences. But unfortunately, a lot of times it's because of us that we don't experience them. If you're a new person, if you've never really sought God, if you never really reached out to God and asked God to come close, hopefully today, because you hear some of the experiences that you could have with God, it would be something that would draw you to him. If you're new in your faith and you're like, I've not experienced that yet, I'm going to tell you, you can have those things. No one is more special in the eyes of God. He loves everyone the same. And everything he gives to people, he will give to you. So I'd like to talk about mountains first, like I said. Mountains, they seem to have a mystery about them, don't they? There's something really mysterious about a mountain. When you look at a mountain, sometimes it looks like it's really close, but it's so far away. And if you look at it, sometimes you're like, it doesn't look that hard until you start climbing it, and then you realize that's a lot harder than it would be. So, you know, I think a lot of people are really drawn to mountains. It has this mysterious, sometimes there's this fog that kind of like surrounds a mountaintop, you know, the snow caps that are there. and It's kind of mysterious, and it kind of draws us in. You know, the first person who ever attempted to climb Mount Everest was a guy named George Lee Mallory. And when he was asked in 1923 why he would want to climb a mountain that's 29,029 feet in the air, he said, because it's there. And we're like, what? But it makes sense, doesn't it? There's something about it. It's just it was drawing him there, and he wanted to climb it. So in 1923, he decides he's going to set off, and he's going to try to climb it. Now, I think when we look at a mountain... And we feel like there is something that draws. You know, it, it is so up high up there. And, and maybe that's why people are drawn to it also, is that maybe they feel as though if they're up higher, they'd feel closer to God. And I think all of us would want that. All of us want to be closer to God. But maybe a mountain actually really does beckon us to come closer. Maybe there really is something about that mountain. Maybe it's not just in us. Maybe there's something real and spiritual that takes place in a mountain that draws us to it. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was there, he said, if you guys don't praise me, the rocks will cry out in praise. Well, can you imagine what Mount Everest might be trying to say? Can you imagine the praise that Mount Everest must have going on, if that's the case? If a rock can praise God, what can a whole huge 29,029 feet of rock be saying about God? You know, throughout the Bible, we can see these powerful, amazing stories that take place on the mountains. There's many mountaintop experiences that go on, these encounters that take place. In Genesis 8, God makes a covenant with Noah after the ark settles on the mountain. And he makes this covenant. He says, I'll never, ever flood the earth again. And he makes this covenant with Noah and his family. He says, you know, it's going to be different. I'm going to work in your lives, and and through you, things are going to change. In Genesis 22, Abraham He takes his son Isaac, he goes up to the mountain, and God tells him to go sacrifice his only son there. And Abraham, out of his faithfulness, was going to do it. God, in that moment, comes in and brings a ram for him instead to sacrifice. But it's on a mountain that 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 experience happens. In Exodus 20, Moses goes up, he receives the Ten Commandments, It says that when he was up there, he was so close to God that his face glowed when he came down. People recognized it, said there's something different about him. 
It all happened on the mountain. In Kings, 1 Kings 18, Elijah, he goes to Mark Carmel. And God provides to them all that, that, that were there, that he was the living God, the one true God. Because there were so many people there that were saying, no, no, Baal and all of his prophets, these false gods were God. And Elijah goes and instead what he does is he goes to this mountain, he calls down fire. And he proves to everyone that God was the one true God on a mountain. In Isaiah 8.18, David builds his city on Mount Zion, which is now present-day Jerusalem. Where God is still said to dwell. His people, his chosen people are said to dwell. So there's these, all these mountaintop experiences. And those are just some. There's so many that are in the Bible that talk about a mountaintop experience that takes place. But we're like thinking, okay, that's cool. That's awesome, Deb. But we all know there's no mountains here, right? We're all living in the great corn desert. This is all we got. So do we not feel God just because we don't live in a place geographically that has mountains? Or can we still experience those mountaintop experiences like these people did? Well, God says yes. Those Those experiences can be yours. You may not have a mountain to go walk on or climb up. But for you, your mountaintop experience can just be simple. It could be here today. It could be in this moment. It could be when you're just reading your Bible. It could be when you're in your car and you're hearing a song, whether it be worship or not, something that God would just kind of reveal to you and show you or, or speak to you. It could be a time where you're just sitting in silence, where all of a sudden you just feel a presence of God. It could be your salvation experience. It could be the one mountaintop experience that you ever experienced. Where you were at a service one day and all of a sudden you felt like God was saying, today's your day. You have to raise your hand. Today's the day of salvation for you. And you like fight it with everything, but you can't help but say, yes, that's what I want, God. Those are your mountaintop experiences. It could be that one simple one, but that's not all there is to it. I think what happens in our mountaintop experience is we become aware of God in a new way, a strong way, a real way. Not where it's a God that we just heard about before, but a God that we actually truly become aware of and experience at those moments. Where we think it's a personal God, a God that personally spoke or did something to me in my life at that time. I think you learn something so big about yourself in those moments too. You learn sometimes how small you really are. And how big God really is when you have those mountaintop experiences. I think sometimes we have to read our Bible. And maybe we're going through an experience and all of a sudden God just kind of points something out to us. You know, the Bible is not just a book. It says it's the living and breathing word of God. That's what God, Jesus' other name is, the word of God. So when we pick up the Bible, we are picking up Jesus. And it speaks to us. It says it cuts us in places. It challenges us in places. So what it does is a lot of times we read these Bible words and we think, okay, this is just words. And all of a sudden, there's an insight into who you are. There's a clarity that you never experienced before. And then through that, you just think, how can I not be more committed to him when he shows me these things? Like I said, sometimes you're just hyper aware. Sometimes you think, I feel him. I feel God like I never felt him before. 
It may not be in this grand orchestra way where there's, you know, all of a sudden music, crescendo, lights flash. It doesn't happen like that, but sometimes it's just this, you know, because you know, because you know that you feel God. He's next to you. He's beside you. I'm sure that some of you guys out there have had those experiences. I'm sure if I talked to you and told, you know, said, tell me your mountaintop experiences, you would be able to tell me them. You'd be able to tell me some great stories that, that maybe, you know, to some of us we'd be like, cool, great story, bro. <laughs> but we know it changed us. It did something special for us. So I thought I'd tell you about a few of mine. Some mountaintop experiences that took place in my faith, and like I, 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 I've said before, um, my experience with God started really... Um, February 28, 1993. This year will be my 25th year of following after God. So I'm really, really happy about that. Yeah. God gets the praise, right? I spent 28 years doing it wrong. I had to do it right. So you guys all know how old I am now. So there we go. No, no secrets here. But, you know, I had no faith really growing up. I was taken to church a couple times you know, where uh, people would come by, pick us up, or, or my family might, you know, the older kids might drag us to church or some experience like that. But we weren't really raised with faith. It wasn't one of those things where we went to church every, every Sunday, and it wasn't like that. So, um, you know, I, I kind of would go to church only when they took me there. And after my mom died, it was really, you know, my, I was seven when my mom died. After that, we really never did go back to church. It was never one of those things where nobody came by, picked us up. I never went. But um, I think I spent many years kind of wondering what God was all about. I remember my friend would go to church, and she went to a Lutheran church. And I remember walking into the church, and there was just something about it. Like, there was something about, like, God's here. There was just something inside that knew there was something more but yet I ran from it. So on February 28, 1993, I had to go through depression. I had to go through my life feeling as though it was complete overness and done before I reached out to God. You know, I, I, I think when we start to follow him, we kind of look at God in a certain way and we think this is the way God's going to go. And I'm just going to change and I'm going to start doing some things that's going to make it better in my life. You know, my life's just going to go better if I do these things. And God starts to like kind of peel this onion and you're like, wow, I never knew there could be so much more to faith and to God than there is when you first start out. So I had these times, these mountaintop experiences. And I remember a time one time where I was really just reading the Bible and I was praying, and I remember just feeling God so much that I really felt like, I, I bet I'm like Moses. I bet my face is glowing. <laughs> I truly believed it. We went one day to the sandwich fair, and I remember I was walking, and, and this person, you know, they were always there, and they handed you a track, and I was like, what? Me? You can't tell my face is glowing. I'm, I'm a believer, man. It's like, how do you not see it on me? But I remember I felt so close to God at that time when I was reading. I was like, I feel God I know he's real. He's here with me. And I felt there had to been something on the outside that was changing because there was so much changing on the inside. I remember praying one time in a service. It was on a Tuesday night. We used to have a youth group that would meet on Wednesday nights at the church I was at. 
And we would spend these Tuesday nights and we would spend time in prayer. And I really believe a lot of the time we spent in prayer then is what happened today in Acts all those years later because we sought God for this area so much. At the time, there was like 60-some kids going to this youth group. But every Tuesday night, we would be faithfully there, all of us young people, a lot of those that started and helped begin Acts Church, were there asking God to do great things. I remember one time sitting in there, on praying on a Tuesday night and just calling out to God saying, God, I just want to feel you. I want, my expectation was so high. And I, I think that's part of our problem, guys, why a lot of us don't feel God is because we don't expect it. You have to expect it that God's going to come through for you. I remember thinking, God, you're going to show me something. Like, I, I truly would not have been surprised had the, the, the roof opened up and just a beam of light come down. I was just like, God's here. And I remember in my mind praying, I'm like, God, show me that you love me. Can you hug me? Can I just feel a hug? Could you touch me? Could I feel your presence? Can you come up beside me and just hug me, God? We went through that whole prayer time. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I remember driving away that night. The kids were in the car and you know, we get home, and we sit down, and I remember sitting on the recliner and kind of just watching TV for a little bit, kind of just thinking, okay, you know, one of those experiences just didn't happen. And I remember Cameron running downstairs and bringing this laptop and saying, hey, I want you to listen to something, Mom. And I said, what is it? He goes, I, I just heard this guy. He's actually kind of like a Christian rapper, and, and his song's really cool. You know, maybe you can hear it. And he says, listen to this. And I said, okay, cool. It's this guy named Bradley Hathaway. So he starts to play it. And the song he plays is Bradley Hathaway asking, God, do you ever hug people? Do you ever touch them? Do you ever crest them? Can you hug me, God? Well, at that moment, that was my mountaintop experience. I'm like, God didn't physically touch me. But he spoke through that message to say, yes, I hugged you. It's through this experience that I'm giving you. It's, it, it's not a coincidence. It's real. I'm here. Do you see that I heard your words? I heard what you asked. And I'm here with you. At the time, Cameron probably thought I was crazy because I was crying. I'm like, listen, I'm like Bradley Hathaway. He's a Christian rapper. Why are you, why are you crying? But it was very emotional for me. It was a mountaintop experience that I had. I remember time walking through the cemetery in Troy Grove. And Troy Grove Cemetery, the, tr- the walking track is the cemetery. Four times around is a mile. But I remember walking there one time and actually just calling on God, praying to him. And really, whether or not it was in me, in my head, or not, hearing him speak. It was a mountaintop experience. I went home and thought, wow, I think I heard God. That's amazing to me. One other time where I was sitting out by the fire, reading my Bible. I'm a bonfire person. I could sit by a bonfire all day. I, I, I go through wood like you wouldn't believe during the summer. I'm just like, light it up. Just sit there all the time. And I'm sitting there by the bonfire, and I'm just reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, God just speaks these words to me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It was, good doesn't always recognize evil, but evil always recognizes good. And I thought, Okay. I think that was a God moment. That was a mountaintop experience. You know, you have these experiences in your faith where God personally does something for you. 
Sometimes God would just use this gift of discernment. You know, the Bible tells us. See, the thing is, God wants to give us so much more weapons and warfare to fight the battle of faith. But he gives weapons to us. He gives gifts to us. And he gives me a gift of discernment where I'll just know something that no one's told me. I'll just know it. And I remember there was a time where God gave me this this word of knowledge, just something that was going to take place. And at first, you know, you question, is it real? Is it not? I don't know. And then a couple days later to find out that everything I thought was exactly real. And it's like that gift, that mountaintop experience of saying, see, I'm real. I gave you a gift. Walk in it. This is what I want you to do. It's those mountaintop experiences. And like I said, I don't say these things to brag. If anything, it's all about God's goodness. It's just God. God is so good that he wants to be so personally involved in our life. And a lot of times what happens, though, is we just keep God at arm's bay. And I think there's so many more mountaintop experiences that each one of us could be experiencing, but we don't because we're not open to them. Those times... Man, they're amazing. They're so amazing. They blow you away. But unfortunately, they're uncommon. They're temporary. It's something that happens, and then it's over. They normally don't last too long. You know, I think that's just like reaching that summit of a mountain, you know? What happens after you reach the summit of a mountain, guys? You got to turn around and go back, don't you? You got to go down. And I think that's exactly what happens a lot of times in our faith. A lot of times those mountaintop experiences will happen, and then right after they happen, a lot of times you go through something. You go through a valley. So then you wonder, what was those mountaintop experiences for? What was the point of them? If they're not going to last, then why do we have them? And I think a lot of that can be explained in this next um, sermon illustration that I want to give you. It's about the time where the disciples went with Jesus to pray. And we have the story that's the transfiguration, which is when Jesus basically comes back. You know, we know that Jesus took man form to come walk on this earth. It was really a time where God just kind of like pulled off man and became himself again, God. So let me read this to you. It's in Luke 9, 28 through 36. It says, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing there with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. With the voice had finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. I think we can learn something from that. This idea where Jesus transformed in front of the everyday normal disciples, no different than us. And I think these lessons in this verse are pretty valuable. I think there's four, ones, four of them that I can pick out. Um, one, 
I think that's really important for us to understand. This is the big one I really want you to get, is that they just happen out of the ordinary, everyday things in life. What were they doing? They were praying and they were sleeping. They were praying and sleeping, two things that we should be doing, right? We, you know, I always say that the one, they say that one of the most spiritual things you can do sometimes is just take a nap. Dreams and visions. Maybe God has something for you out of a dream or a vision. But praying also, it's just the everyday normal experience that you're going to go through in your life can actually be the mountaintop experience that's going to take place. It's those regular standard ways of seeking God that's going to actually give you those things more. But you can't expect God to give you a mountaintop experience if you're not even opening yourselves up to it. The Bible tells us that you have to come close to God and then God come close to you. It says in James 4, 8, it says, Come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So right now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, Man, I'm beating myself up. I, I don't have these mountaintop experiences and I've been following God. Well, I think we just need to think how much time are we really spending in God's word? How many times are we really seeking God in prayer? How many times are we doing that in our day where God could do those things for you? Also, we can't expect God to give us a mountaintop experience or some great, huge rush of wind or some still small voice or anything to speak to us if we're not even asking God for forgiveness in the first place. If you've never asked God for forgiveness, it's, it's what you need to do because, you know, the thing is you're never going to get any farther with God unless you just kind of just submit yourself to him and say, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need you to cleanse me because he can never come closer to you if you're a sinner. He can have no part of it. He's so pure, so holy that I have no part of sin. So it's in the everyday experiences that you can experience mountaintops. The other thing I think you can really learn from this is it's Jesus and Jesus alone. What did God say when, Mo, when right off the bat, Peter yells out, he says, let's make three temples, basically. Let's three memorials for Elijah and for Moses and for you. And God says, no, no, it's just Jesus. He's my chosen one. He's the only one that you need to make a memorial for. That's it. No one else should ever get the glory besides Jesus in your life. If God did something for you, you need to praise Jesus for it. I think a lot of people get off track with that. I think we start to follow God, and before long, we start to believe what the world says. It's like, well, it's Jesus and this, and, you know, Jesus and plus this, you know, or, or we could just trust in this also. Maybe if I follow Jesus, but I also do this while I'm following Jesus. No, no. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible makes it clear. All these great men of God, it doesn't matter who walked this earth before, during, or after Jesus, it's just Jesus that we praise and we love. That's it. Also, I think a third thing is we can't make memorials to those experiences, those mountaintop experiences. You know, I think a lot of people search and seek for goosebumps. They want to feel that feeling like, I got to feel God. I got the godly goosebumps all the way down me. Those goosebumps are great, but that's not what it's about. And if you keep searching for those goosebumps over and over and over again, man, you're missing it. 
Because you're not going to truly get them unless you're really seeking after God. And a lot of times, you know, people do a lot of fake. And we've seen that on TV, haven't we? We've seen it in people on television before. We see them jumping, running, doing all these different things. And, you know, I remember years ago, I remember hearing a pastor say, it's like, man, it don't matter how high you jump or how loud you scream, and how, but when you come down, you better be walking straight. Right? Our faith should be walking straight, straight to Jesus. But a lot of people make memorials to those moments. They overshadow Jesus. And it needs to be all about Jesus. And you have to understand, if you experience those things, it's not because you're great. It's because God's great. It's not like God gave me experiences like that because I was so great. It's because God was so great. He says, if you put in the work, I'll I'll show you some great things. And he uses it because those are those things that you go back to. You know what they are? they're, They're touch points in your faith. When you start to feel a little down, you start to feel like, I don't know if God's so real. And he says, do you remember that time? Those touch points in your faith that you can go back to. But it's God, not the experience that we should seek. Also, I think, you know, he told Peter, James, and John, he said, just shh, be quiet, be quiet. Don't tell anybody yet. We know that's because Jesus' time had not come yet. He didn't really want people telling him yet. But I think for us, you know, I share those experiences with you today. I don't tell people those experiences all the time because what happens is, is a lot of times people get off on that. But with me... It's just kind of one of those things that I kind of hide in my heart. And I think with you, if you've had them, that you kind of just hide them in your heart and you kind of hold them there and you're thankful for them. But it's not just the experiences that's about. It's, it's God. You know, when these disciples were up on this mountain, like I said, there's, there was a lot they were going to go through. And I think with that experience that they had, when they saw Jesus and he transfigured right in their midst, and they saw it all happen. I think it was for them to just kind of look back on. Because we all know it was very, very soon that they went to the valley, right? I mean, they no sooner came down than before long Jesus was taken away, and he was crucified. Everything that they had put their hope in, this God, this Savior that they thought would save them, probably they thought in an earthly way. And all of a sudden, he dies. And they went straight to the valley. And I think they probably had the same thought you have had in your faith if you've journeyed on for long. Was it real? Was this even real? Was it a real experience? Did I really feel God? Did God really change me? Has God really offered me an eternal life with him? And I think those moments that they had on that mountaintop are what they probably went back to and said, but we didn't imagine it. We all saw it. We saw Jesus go from manly form to godly form. We saw the experience. We heard God speak and say these words. And it was just enough to keep them going and saying, yeah, I believe. I believe that God is real and that he's going to help us through our battles. Even though right now Jesus looks like he's done, we can trust the fact that Jesus has got more still. He's coming back. His words that he said, I'm coming back, he's going to come back. I think when we climb the mountain, or if a person climbs the mountain, you have to understand when they say, I climb the mountain, once they reach the summit, like I said, they're only halfway done. 
you have to turn around, you have to go back down. And I think we have in our minds a lot of times when we think about a mountain, we think it sounds really treacherous to go up. But it's just as treacherous coming down. On Mount Everest, did you know that it is the largest open graveyard that exists? So far, as of 2017, there's 288 bodies that litter Mount Everest. People use bodies as markers. As they climb up, as they come down, they see bodies laying there. And when they see the bodies, they know how much farther they have to go. To go up and to come down. One by the name of Green Boots, he was just, just taken off the mountain just recently. But for years he was there. They named him Green Boots because he had these lime green boots. And people knew when they got there how close they were to reaching the summit. But the interesting thing about Mount Everest is 25% of the people who climb die on the descent. Not when they're climbing up, but when they're climbing down. There's an area of the Mount Everest that's literally, they call it rainbow. It's a rainbow area because it's all the brightly colored parkas and, and things that they have on them that are just littered bodies down below. One really sad story of a woman that was climbing and she just decided she was just going to take a rest at, their, at the top. Well, anything above 26,000 feet is what they call the dead zone. So what she did was she wanted to experience a little longer. I'm just going to sit for a moment. And she just leaned against her backpack and she's still there today. Still there. George Mallory that I talked to you about in 1923 and 1924, he went with another friend and they went to climb. We don't know if he ever made it or if he didn't. George Mallory's body's still on Mount Everest. 1924, he still lays there today. His body was found in 1999. They actually covered him with rocks and they gave him a burial. You know, I think what happens a lot of times with people in their mountaintop experiences, they try to sit down and try to stay there. Saying the journey's not over. The journey continues on. We can't just stay on the mountaintops. And God wants us to understand that we're going to travel all this different terrain. And there's going to be times where you're going to feel such great things of God. But when you don't feel God and you just feel like that was the only thing, if that was the pinnacle, is just to feel God in those mountaintop experiences, you're not going to make it in the valley. It can't just be that feeling. It has to be something more to your faith than just that feeling of elation at that moment. We can't stay on the mountain. We have to climb back down. We can't rest. It's the walk. It's the journey that we have to follow after God. Those mountaintops are great, man. They're awesome. They're an encouragement to us. They're those touch points. But there's so much more left to walk and journey on. It won't be your first mountaintop experience and it won't be your last. It probably won't be your first and it won't be your last valley. Truthfully, what will happen is a lot of times you're going to have a lot of nothingness. But those mountaintops, as good as they are, we can't stay there. Because we know, just like the disciples had happen, that more than likely a valley is going to come quickly. And then you're going to have to get through that. But that's next week. 
I'm going to tell you about the valleys next week. So anyway, if you would, just please just bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, I just pray for each person here. Lord, if they've never reached out to you and asked you for salvation, I just pray, Jesus, that something inside them right now would just leap alive. Lord, you would give them that mountaintop experience, this first mountaintop experience, Lord, that they would feel you like never before, that they would just whisper in their minds and in their hearts, forgive me of my sins, God. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to let you lead me. You be my guide. You be my Sherpa. God, I just thank you that you're going to do that for somebody right here today. God, for each of us that are following after you and have maybe been believers for a long time or just maybe recently, Lord, I just pray that we would understand that we're, to get those experiences, to help us through the mountains and valleys and the in-betweens, Lord God, that it's just daily seeking you. It's just so simple, everyday experiences of, of just spending time in your presence, praying and reading your word. Those are what's going to make all the difference in our journey. I just pray for each of us, Lord God, that you would just put inside of us a hunger, a hunger for your word, that we wouldn't be satisfied just what the world gives us and entertains us with, but we would actually just be just so lifted up, coming closer to you like that mountain in our faith, Lord, and we do those things. I just pray for each person here today. I pray for safety, protection, Lord. I just pray that there is growth in their life and that you do great things, Lord, so that they also, Lord, can go back someday and tell others about their mountaintop experiences. We're thankful for what you're going to do here today, Lord God, in each of our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen.